The crash site would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we create, the Yagara and Turbal peoples. We also pay our respects to elders, past, present and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was and always will be Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's land. What is this? Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. I'm in the middle. Can you just tell me like the general <laughs> demographics? Can I please have a report? <laughs> I want to report to everybody that's on the seafood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need access to your POS system because I need to export it myself. Oh my god. <laughs> Not week nine. It's week twelve. It's week right? twelve, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it's gonna be cool when we look back. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Just not seafood. Yeah. Who gets seafood? Yeah. yeah. Unless you're going to like a proper pizza. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm gonna call mm. Domino's and ask. food truck and sell Domino's <laughs> themed seafood pizzas to those Domino's clients. Themed seafood it's, it's exactly like Domino's pizza, but it's got real seafood on it. No, no, no. It's What's just it? it's just a normal pizza, but it's shaped like a seafood person. Wait, have you ever heard that joke? I'm on a seafood diet. A seafood. I seafood and I eat it. Yep. Have you ever heard this joke? Yeah, hang on. You gotta be quiet. I need ambience. <laughs> that was my instinct too. <laughs> but doing? I can't do that. <laughs> what was gonna go on? We are both gonna lick your hand. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting. You would taste boiled peanuts. <laughs> I taste like boiled peanuts. Boiled and salted. <laughs> okay. I taste like boiled pea. <laughs> <laughs> I like to boil my pea. I boil it in nature. I boil it in the trunk of my car. In the trunk of my car, which is nature. That's not very natural. <laughs> nature. Natural. Al natural. Oh, I feel actually. Look, I'll be honest. The middle seat is definitely not the best seat. No, it makes me feel sick when it's horrible. It. I actually oh. almost want to just swap it out for the beanbag. No. No, you can't. <laughs> We've already tried this. Yeah. For Twelve yeah, weeks. Yeah. You can no. The, you can't I, sit on the beanbag. Because it's gonna make oh. too much noise and it, it's gonna make us feel like. We're and you're gonna out. be way lower. I'll yeah. be still and I'm really tall, so it'll you're be all sweet. Tall. No, you're actually not that tall. I did a calculation and you're only one six taller than me. <laughs> Which is actually <laughs> sounds like a lot. After that, yeah. you were like, you're only one six taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I thought we could start today's episode um, talking about rocks. Um, and, and kind of like maybe just some rocks that we've been looking for recently <laughs> or rocks that we really enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. Oh. Well, I remember when I was at university, there was a rock with a, it was the Canadian flag painted on it. Yeah. And it was just like one of those rocks that they had around the university. I went to Griffith. Just one of those rocks. Just one of those rocks. <laughs> With the Canadian flag <laughs> yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, I found it and then I moved it up a tree. Nice. And um, I told heaps of my friends about it and I wonder if it's still there. 
That's my rock. Because it was still there when you graduated and it you was. did it like, what, in like first second, year, second year? Second year. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I you told that. all of your friends about it and they hadn't touched yeah, it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It means they've this got is... respect for you. Yeah. yeah. I. You've got a legacy. You know what, something I really love doing. A legacy. There's a bar. <laughs> there's a bar in the city called John Mills himself. You ever been there? No. Also now I want to go. Yeah. It's a really cool spot. Can we go there now? Yeah, we can go there now. <laughs> and, and now we're at John Mills himself. Wow. wow. Is I that him, place. John Mills? Not himself. <laughs> He's not himself today. <laughs> Sorry, what's happened at this bar? Okay, anyway. That we're in? I went I went to this bar. It was... Okay. Spa. Okay. Spa. I'll be, big reveal. It was like my first date spot. Oh. <laughs> anyway. So oh, if we go there with him, it's going to look like Is we're it? all on a date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's how they know Zane. Yeah, yeah exactly. Do, do they have like a wall of fame? <laughs> <laughs> wall of all these Polaroids with different yeah, yeah, people yeah. that I've had first dates with. Yeah. <laughs> no. That would be kind of genius. Yeah. But be. I have left my mark there. And I don't think I want to. I want to. I want to know if it's <laughs> don't whoa, whoa. look that serious. Like, I, I have left on. my mum <laughs> on a first day. Not in the venue itself, but in the in the corridor to the loo. Because I'm tall, right? There's like I don't know. Wait, that's you're the only Because <laughs> I'm tall. The loo was too yeah, short, yeah. so they had to use the corridor. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yep. So anyway, I don't know what it is, just like part of the structure and there was this little platform thing. Anyway, I had sticky notes on me because I was still a university student. What did I write on it? Oh no, I've forgotten what I... I'm going to have to go back and find out. But it, it was something along the lines of, hey, still here or something like that. Anyway. With this phone number, call me. Yeah, no, 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 no. If you want to come here on a first date, let me know. Yeah. No, no. Kind I, of a legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a legacy here. Yeah, yeah. I just name it Zane himself. They, yeah. Anyway, I left it there. It was a blue, little tiny sticky note. And I left it there when I went to the loo once. Anyway, I, I it was like one of the people I was with. And I was like, hey, look. And then, yeah, I'm going to put this here. And then I went with them again. Like later, so that's and then the I was like, that was, was the yeah, 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 so yeah, you yeah, fly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no. <laughs> the story's <laughs> long. How can we believe anything you say? Well, firstly, dates lead to second dates. You know this, but and you've gone to the same place. <laughs> I have. Well, it was obviously pretty good, wasn't it? Anyway, yeah. and it was. <laughs> He's like, it worked <laughs> for me the first time. It was, it was still there, and I went, oh look, it's still here. Anyway, I want. I'm gonna go back there soon and see if it's still there. And I want to show you too. I want to take you on a first date. Oh, yeah, perfect. I'd love to get bought dinner. We're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both like value. value. <laughs> no, that uh, sounds great. Anyway, um, so yeah. where's the rock? The rock is uh, up the tree still. Maybe oh, I don't know. Okay. But it didn't so transcend. It didn't. The rock was replaced the rock. with a sticky note. That's yeah. how the metaphor carried yeah. across. Yeah. Rock, yeah. paper, rock, scissors. Pa oh, so we need a story about scissors. scissors. Oh, um, on. One time so. I cut my sister's belly button open because she wasn't helping me clean <laughs> when I was a kid. And she still has a little slice knife. Oh, my, with scissors. Is she yeah, with nail scissors. Is she an innie oh. or an Audi? <laughs> what? You know how you have... Got, there's people that have an inward I'm belly button. I'm pretty sure she's an innie. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that sounds okay. I'm I feel a, like I'm a half half. 
half half. Half and half. Well, I bet the pops out. Yours right <laughs> right is like diagonal. Yeah, yeah. It's on a slant. It pokes out on one end and then it goes. In. <laughs> it's a wave. Yeah. It's actually it's actually if you zoom in, it's my face. <laughs> actually in it. It's you oh. reaching out yeah, and yeah, your yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cute. as if there's like a little baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where the hand came from. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, yeah, I feel like okay. Sorry. I was gonna get so sidetracked. What do you that sounds painful. I was gonna say. It was only a little bit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sure. If you've still got a scar, I'm pretty sure it wasn't just. No, it a was bit. just a little bit. It wasn't like anyone had to get stitches or anything. Anyone is <laughs> in your sister. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have to get stitches, so. <laughs> I mean, I did it, but I didn't have to get any small cuts. <laughs> I feel like uh, let's let's kick into like what we had planned today, mm. talking about venues. Right. Which was a great intro. Right. Great yeah, intro. Mentioning um, John Mills. The man himself. himself. <laughs> John Mills. It was, uh, yeah. I don't know what the story is behind that. It's probably some colonial thing. Early 70s. I wonder who is John Mills. I'm going to look it up anyway, right now. It's Sorry, just like JMH. And then, you, and then you have to find out. You have to like ask. Anyway. I don't know how to introduce this podcast or where we should start. But there's a topic that we were going to talk about. And it's about getting your first gig, in whatever regard that is. So, and, and a big part of, of getting a gig is where you're going to be gigging. So, the venue. How do you reach out? How do you, like, maintain contact? What's the best, like, approach to that? Maybe, like, what kind of venue you're looking for, etc. So, we're going to jump into it. Once Zed has found out who, who John, John Mills, Mills is. is. And, um... Yeah, I'm not sure how we should approach it. I think maybe we could talk about what we've done with venues in the past. Um, and then maybe come up with some tips along the way. He was a printer. Oh. He built his office and print, printery workshop and warehouse on the site previous occupied by Mark Wells College in 1919. So it's a heritage building. Um, and John Mills himself is the name of the building. Um, right. Because oh. he was a printer and he named the building after himself. Nice. Genius. That, that is a power move. Speaking about yeah. venues, it's mm. always good to name name your venue after yourself. Yeah. That's what I've found. Yeah, yeah. Don't, that's not real advice. Just <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's also good to leave words out, buzzwords out, like terror dome and stuff. <laughs> Don't, 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 if you're naming a venue, yeah. that's not like you want to appeal to a wide audience. <laughs> and that, that's quite a niche audience. But that's my two cents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a really great point. So, cool. so yeah, I kind of want to go to the Terror Dome. That sounds like cool. it's niche. It's yeah, niche. it's niche. It's my niche, baby. It's, that's, that's it's your niche quiche. Face yeah, quiche. It's a niche quiche. Yeah, it's a quiche restaurant. The Terror Dome. Niche, niche. It's a niche. Quiche restaurant, lots of different types of quiche. No, yeah. no, no, lots of niche types of quiche. Yeah, yeah, right, of course, of course. Yeah. What's your favourite niche quiche? My niche quiche would have to be um, a vegan quiche. Well, that's niche. That's niche. That is it's, niche. It's very broad and niche. Wait, what, do you, what do you make a vegan quiche out of? Vegan eggs. Just eggs. Vegan eggs? Yeah. What's vegan eggs? I don't know. Well, they're like eggs, but they're vegan. Well... <laughs> It's quite Wait. simple. It's Wait. not that niche. <laughs> Come on. Wait, is there such thing as vegan eggs? Yes. Yeah, there's this thing called just eggs. And is it's, it like it's a made, powder? No, no, it's it's a liquid. It comes from mung bean. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I've tried it. 
That's good. And? Um, I prefer normal eggs, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. um, it did make me go like, why, what is this? A little bit. But it was interesting. No, it was, it actually, it tasted pretty decent. Like okay. if I was vegan, mm. I would be quite content with that. And it's got a great like macro, micro uh, profile. Yeah, so nice. it's good. Cool. But speaking of venues, yeah. maybe the first spot to start is, you know, avoid, obviously we're avoiding terms like the pterodome, we're, <laughs> we're avoiding niche sort of concepts and quiches. I think it's probably good that if, if you're looking to do your first sort of gig, mm. you probably want to avoid um, any kind of place that serves quiches. Yeah, you just stick to omelettes. Really. Yeah, yeah, omelettes is probably where it's at. It's a more universal. Um, but, but from a general perspective, let's start with, with um, this idea of where you can add value right nice. i think this is where it yeah. like starts off that's good with is that every time you're trying to put if you try to put a work up uh -huh. right if you're trying to find a venue to stage an art exhibition to have a gig or something like that you've got to think about it from the venue's perspective right you're always entering into a partnership with other people mm -hmm. so whether that's just a partnership with the venue or it's also sort of like a promoter or an organizer or sort of some part of something larger scale, mm -hmm. but you are always going to be entering in with a partnership with someone else. So I think the biggest thing is to think about how can you add value? Mm -hmm. So I think like well, what these, does value look like? Yeah. And yeah. what does that look like for these particular venue owners? So mm -hmm. generally it's like, okay, I want to, I want to do an art exhibition because I want to get my art out there and I want to bring people, you know, to see my work and sort of build my brand, yep. right? Um, but what does a venue want? Well, a venue wants people to come in and buy drinks and buy food, right? If they sell drinks If and they food. sell drinks and or food. Or they want to raise awareness about their venue. Their brand and, and, and their venue, right? Yep. Yep. So you think about what you can offer them and, and then you try and negotiate some kind of terms there. So maybe if you're just starting out, you don't have a lot of money, you can't afford to sort of like hire a venue because venue hire can get really expensive but you could find a little cafe or, or a small bar mm. where you could where you could do sort of a small scale exhibition but like bring you know 20 or 30 people in on a night where maybe this bar isn't getting that as many people or like early on in the evening mm. um so that they're getting you know more people coming into the space and buying drinks or, or mm. whatever it is yeah. so it's really thinking about how can you add value to these venues mm. and make it make it easy for them to say yes to you. Yeah. Which I think also comes from a lot of communication, right? Yeah. And I think you, you, you'll come to learn, if, if you like, I don't know, a, a reasonable approach for me whenever I've wanted to gig somewhere is just to like go to the place and meet someone and just throw the idea out there. Like mm. that I feel like is a really great first contact. Um, and then, you know, giving details like contact details like an email or a phone number saying, hey, like, you know, it's just an idea at the moment, but we'd love to throw this out there, see if you're interested. Um, I feel like like the first stage of like finding a venue is that actually searching for a venue, mm. um, and then refining a list of 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 what's the word I'm looking for potential suitors. Yeah, yeah. It's very much <laughs> Welcome like to the potential <laughs> suitors evening. It's and like then dating. you put on the game show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like that is sort of an overlook stage. You know, like yeah, finding something that suits what you're doing, but also people that are like on the same sort of energy wavelength as you and that are actually interested in putting on something with you as yeah. well. Yeah. And yeah. I always think, especially when you're starting out, it's better to go local because you're going to get, mm. you're going to get more, um, partnership value out of it. than yes. if you just try and straight away jump into working with someone 
who's um, looking for predominantly commercial value. Mm. There are a lot of spaces where you can look at online, um, like there's websites like Creative Spaces, oh, yeah. which we used to find the Will and Gabber Exchange spot. Yep. That was it. And those are like, those are basically like um, online listing services where local businesses and people can just put up a profile and say, hey, this is the space, this is what we mm. provide, and like here's a contact number, and then you go from there. Mm -hmm. um, but a great way is also just like getting out on the street and just walking in, like what Zane was yep. saying, and talking to your um, local businesses. Because you'd be surprised what businesses are interested in like different kinds of events and they might even they might not be interested in helping you host your event but they might know someone who would mm. um so just starting that communication yeah. earlier rather than later because the other thing that can happen with um venue searches is you leave it to the last minute or you maybe make some presumptions about availability and stuff mm. and i think you can you can also derive so much of what the event is going to be yep. when you know what the location is and stuff totally. and really making sure that it fits and you're not trying to put like a triangle in a circle hole and like make something that in like a like you know like you're not trying to make really grungy uh subset kind of space out of like a beach themed like polished bar yeah. like you know yeah. like because you're just you're adding work you yeah. want you want to find somewhere that's going to be the least amount of work and the most conducive to whatever you're presenting. Yeah. Well, off of that point, like I think that's one thing that, you know, through my work with Anywhere Festival um, that we do a lot of work about is like work in non-traditional spaces. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing that we've, we're, we really encourage people to do is look for venues that can inspire, um, inspire your creativity, that can yeah. give you creative cons constraints. You know, it's like, okay, how can I actually like find a venue early on, right? Mm, yeah. And it might not be through these online searches because a lot of times that those one the venues that are on those online search engines are going to be charging like hefty fees, yeah, right. Well, the, so it's a venue booking system. Yeah. That's but, the thing, like where you're yeah. actually looking as well, can you can di dictate what kind of venue you will get. Exactly, yeah. and and it, and it's like, all right, well, so where can I find places that maybe I can develop a partnership with? Mm -hmm. Like really think about that, but then go, all right. I know that this is a space. What's going to work best for this venue is if I use it as is. Mm. But then how do I sort of let this venue give me the creative constraints to execute on my vision? Totally. Um, and, and I think that also just encourages a new level of creativity. Mm. And it also develops a deeper relationship between your art and the space that you're, that you're in. And I think that's something that is really enticing for audiences, for people to come and see. Mm. You know, there's, it's like one of the things I hate to see is when people find a really cool, unique space and they like try and treat it as if it's like a professional venue. Yeah. You know, it's like you're in a cool underground like bar and you're Lean trying to make it, it. Yeah, yeah, be influenced yeah. by it, mm. you know, and then your audience is going to be influenced by the space as well. I mm. think one of our main focuses as Crash is also making comfortable spaces and relaxed mm. and interesting spaces, you know, yeah. if it's got a bunch of nooks and crannies and things, use them, put yeah. something interesting in there. It doesn't have to mm. be much, but it adds atmosphere. And all of that is important to branding, mm. no matter kind of like what, 
what um, genre of art you're working in, whether it's like music or yeah, film, whatever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing off of that is a lot of the time if you are just starting out, you don't have a big brand. Yeah. You don't have a lot of a, you don't have a lot of leverage in terms of your negotiations with venues. Yeah. So what you really want to think about is how do I make this super easy for them to say yes? Mm-hmm. Right? Be prepared. So, yeah, and so so you've got like you can clearly explain, look, I'm not bringing in a bunch of gear and I'm not going to be like running like heaps of lighting that's going to, you know, like overcrowd your electrical system or anything like that. It's like, no, I want to use your space as it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's about me sort of activating your space rather than me trying to install it and make it something that is, it isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's that, especially in those early stages, it's like leaning into that and being very communicative with your venues early on Mm -hmm. about how you're, you're working with them and making it easy for them. Yeah, exactly. Makes me think, um, like there's sort of a few stages. This is taking me back to my university degree. There's like four stages in in venues, like relationship acquisition, etc. But I feel like for creative industries in particular, like once we we've booked in venues, it's like oh, it's happening. Yeah. You know, it's like that. It sort of gives you that kick to like, okay, we actually have a deadline now. You know, this this is a thing. It's not just an idea. This is actually happening. And I think that's the other note to getting your venue locked in early is it gives you a much clearer timeline Mm -hmm. with your process. As we've been talking about in other podcasts, you know, it's like you can't get so tied up in the um, idea of what you're trying to put on because you can go to a physical space. You can do measurements. You can say this works. This doesn't Mm -hmm. work. We can hang these here. We can't do this. Otherwise... You are just kind of ideating blind. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, I think it is makes things a lot easier if you can look in a venue. Yeah. I think I think that ties into a, just a big part of like the philosophy that I think we've started to create over this year and the work that we've done. Right is that the earlier you can lock things in and just make decisions, mm-hmm. it, like. It, that is a better option than just like sort of meandering and pondering ideas and going, what if, what if? Mm. No, lock something in, give yourself that structure to work on, set a date and go, we now need to execute. Yeah. Mm. And, and let's put our time and energy into executing, mm. not ideating infinite possibilities. Yeah. Because if you don't have a venue, if you don't, you don't, anything like that, anything is possible. Mm. And that is really daunting for like emerging creatives as if you don't have any constraints. It's like, well, what do I do? How do I make this thing perfect? What, you know, like what are my constraints? I think it also gives you the freedom to be able to just change your creative ideas. Like if you know what all of your production decisions are and you're like, right, we've got X amount of equipment, this much time, this place, these people, you can change your creative. Yeah. Yeah. You can change your creative ideas as much as you want within those parameters. But when it's all just like, you know, nomads land, then that's when things go over the budget, over the time, and over the art, stuff yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. yeah. I feel like also it's good to like have venues. <laughs> all, at, at the start of this, we were all like, oh yeah, venues, what are we going to talk about? And now Nails. we're like, yeah, yeah. venues. <laughs> yeah. Being able to focus on one project, you yeah. know, that's another thing that comes, comes with it. I was thinking also, just to give examples of sort of activating space. So the three events we've done recently, right, happening in the Woolagaba Exchange, right, basically was an unutilized space. It was empty. Um, we were the first uh, group to put on anything in there that was artistic, like event related. So that was something that um, Sally really wanted to do with the space before they were reconverting it into offices, right? So that was an example of what we did with that venue. 
we also very much leaned into the size and sort of style of that space. Um, what, were there any take, key takeouts from the space that you remember? Oh, pretty much everyone throughout that night was mm. like, great space. Yeah. Mm. Great space. And I think yeah. what we did well with that event was we leaned into its character. Mm -hmm. And we used that to help inform what the show was going to look like. Because, I mean, we had our artists... Some of our artists told us what they were doing. Some of our artists didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. But we totally used the space that we yeah. know we had to figure out what it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like we changed some of it. Like the, un, the um, oh. downstairs area, we put up a bunch of sheeting and it looked completely different. But upstairs, everything that already had a story kind of coming about the space mm. we didn't overwork it we just left it alone and that really everyone was like what this space is crazy like pretty yeah. much everyone who i knew who went to that event said something about how crazy beautiful the space was mm. yeah and yeah. also like it was quite cheap you know like yeah. for mm. what we for what the size of it was you know? but but i think that's also we got very lucky in that sense of mm. like yeah. we found a venue that was underutilized yeah right and we yeah. put an offer out where if we didn't do that event the owners of the venue, nothing was going to happen there. Yeah. Mm. So they weren't going to make any money. But this way they make a couple of hundred bucks and we're going to put on this event. Yeah. Right? Which was a testing ground we, for yeah. us too, right? And, and yeah. we also had plans before we went into that space of what we're going to do. We'd seen the space, so we mapped out some plans to move into the space. But then once we got in there in those two bump-in days, which mm. were pretty hectic. <laughs> lots um, of cleaning. That's lots really of cleaning of in the space. That was the other thing we had to consider. Is like there were, we, we actually didn't do an agreement around what the space would be like when we got there. So yeah. it ended up there was all of this equipment left in the space. It was dirty in areas. So there was a bunch of stuff that we had to work and with. And these are the things that you're... These are the give and take parts of working yeah. with unconventional spaces. Yeah. And you've got to sure. be ready if you want that edginess of an unconventional space and also the cheap and like the accessibility that comes with something like that and the price, you've got to be ready to put the work in and you've got to know that the work is coming. You can't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. But then I think it naturally, like on the day, the days of bumping in, we, our whole concept changed and evolved. Yeah. Like we had this idea to do this, like split the space in half. Oh. And then we got there and we were like, this is just not possible. <laughs> yeah. well, it was already tiered. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it yeah, yeah, yeah. It was naturally split. We then like got in there and we were trying to bring a clothesline down to the bottom oh, wow. level. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't going to fit. And like, <laughs> so you know, there heavy. was just, yeah, it was so heavy and like, but, but then naturally things like started to evolve, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I think that makes me think of the second happening we did, which was our networking work with, yep. vi with Visible Inc. Um, where we had this one idea for this one room that it was going to be kind of this like obstacle course room. Mm. Oh, yeah. And then we sort of got in there and I was like, well, we have all of this like paper, this really cool paper. What if we just start like coding the whole space and paper and rather than people drawing on, on normal pages, they draw on the walls and the floor of the space. Yeah. And then it was like, well, that happened the day of because we had a space yeah. and we let the space mm -hmm. and the, the, the resources we had inform our creativity. Exactly. And that was a really interesting example because Viz Inc., we'd been working yeah. in and around the space. Like we knew the space. Yeah. We understood what resources were available. We'd done planning the week prior and stuff. And pretty much every other room looked exactly like how we planned it and got put up mm. and worked exactly how we planned it. But then this one room, mm. it was like, this is better, you know? And instead of trying to push ahead, just let your creativity like be like, okay, you know, like yeah. Zeb went in there and 
kind of re-sculpted the room with all of this paper coming off the walls and stuff and it yeah. was like oh this is just a better idea you yeah. know yeah i feel like mm. the stimulus for that like it was a conversion of space in a way it was mm. like looking at it in a different light mm. so like it's very sort of bland you know very officey um space to begin with but there are a lot of creatives coming through and this was a chance for people who actively and, and use regularly the space to come in and to be able to socialize and, and maybe see it in a new light yeah and explore mm. it creatively mm. so that was i guess like the other example of how we use that space and that was very much also um, fulfilling the needs and the vision or purpose of chrissy who we work with um what she wanted to get out of the space mm. and what her sort of deliverables are within council um which is a more engaged sort of creative community around visible ink and then we jump back to pathos right this was a huge venue and i learned a lot in terms of the risk assessment and um planning of putting on a huge show in a huge space that has got a lot of uh nooks and crannies as you say yeah 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 but um what were the the highlights for you guys what what were the aspects of that venue that you really loved? I like the scale. Mm. I thought it was really fun to work on like that like mm. an enormous warehouse scale. Mm. Um, I liked the fact that we didn't so much because a lot of the times when we're transforming spaces as crash, we do it with like props or materials. And so much of Pathos was just lighting. Mm. Um, the props on the demountable and painting the demountable painting, and all touch, of, like yeah. um, the extra elements that Ella added as well. And then yeah. um, Julian with helping with the AV and stuff yeah. changed the space dramatically. But it was really cool just leaving something as it was, mm. more or less. And then it, it was just like the minute it turned to nighttime, these lights, it was just yeah. a completely different space. It was playing with the scale a lot, yeah. I think. Even all the touches, right? Like the projector was, you know, able to project onto a huge wall. Yeah, and sourcing yeah. all the chairs and getting the rugs and making a large face, space, face, yeah. space. <laughs> large face. Making a large face. <laughs> Feel small and intimate, yeah. you know, within its mm. enormity. It wasn't like we'd literally yeah. like built a little box and stuff. It felt connected and grounded, but there was still like this air of like, yeah, and I think that lended itself to... Mm show yeah and everyone involved mm -hmm. yeah i think i think what was also like just so fun about that is like we took a massive risk mm -hmm. with that space yeah. like, i remember like we were like oh is the space gonna work and like when i first went in there i was like i want to do the show in that space and then we weren't sure if it was going to come through and then it came through and we're like yeah let's just send it we'll figure it out and then we got in the space and we we're like this place Whoa. is big yeah like how yeah. do we manage this and you know like our plans they constantly changed and evolved mm -hmm. and like we were like, oh, we're we gonna need to mic everyone. Do we have the tech and the budget to actually be able to do that and execute that to a standard? You know, like there were so many things that even the show nights we couldn't consider. They were like, yeah, there's yeah. possums here. Yeah, so much they like shit everywhere, and you got to clean it <laughs> the, up. The rain. The rain. Oh man. This like pipe. This pipe made so much noise oh. during one of our shows because yeah. it started to rain. Yeah. But like, but it's like in that process, I think it it like 
at, like we learned so much through that and I think it was it was an opportunity for us to take a big bold risk mm-hmm. um, but we'd also stretched a lot of those muscles in doing the happening yeah. which was a, a lot like significantly smaller scale production mm-hmm. you yeah. know yeah. and so I think it's like that idea of working up but then also knowing when it's time to take big risks mm-hmm. and you know like try things out and experiment with those yeah. larger spaces and then once again, if we're talking about partnerships, like the mm-hmm. partnerships that you managed to pull together, Zane, with, oh, with yeah. you know, like local mm-hmm. local restaurant and yep. like getting food there. And so we developed this like yes. real community in like a very vast and empty space. I mean, it's an old paint factory. Like mm. it's like an empty big mm. factory that was pretty cold at night, but we had like hot food and, yep. you know, beers and tea and pastries. And like there was a, there was, you know, we totally transformed the feel of that place. And I think that was a really like it was an awesome challenge but also i think had great results yeah also i think like working with paul and how mm. closely we got to you know work with him as well mm. and you the know, owner seeing, of the venue yeah seeing his <laughs> oh, guy named Wait. paul yeah. <laughs> yeah. god i love paul <laughs> and steve he wasn't the, he wasn't the owner no he was project. the project manager, manager. Yeah. but anyway like seeing his face light up you know through mm. over the week of bumping when you know oh wow we've actually we're you know really doing something with this space and you know, being able to bloody paint that container, like what yeah. a legend, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sort of, we, we, we approach it as like, well, hey, this is the vision you have for this space over the next 10, 20 years. Can we put our touch on it and help it, you know, help for what your vision is? Mm. You know, like painting it black, mm. it's now like more of a canvas for future mm. artists, you know? But uh, yeah, lots of little, little things and constantly communicating, things will change. But if you develop like a really good rapport with your venue, mm manager owner operator it just makes life a lot easier what's it's once again it's about building those relationships right and so we got super lucky there is that i i met paul through um my involvement with anywhere festival Mm. because anywhere festival held their launch earlier in the year there right so i got to meet him and i got his contact details yeah i saw the space and i went this is underutilized and no one knows about it yet right and so i was like hey can i meet with you and pitch pitch you an idea and so I met with him and then what I'd done is I'd researched the space and the vision, right? Yeah. So I'd done my research before I got to the meeting and I explained how our idea mm-hmm. could actually help him achieve what he was trying to do. Yeah. We were lucky in the sense that I'd been able to carry some funding across. So I had evidence yeah. that, that we were supported, yeah. that we had something going on. And I mentioned, you know, I was like, we're emerging artists. Like, and so I, I was able to, and he was really supportive of that. And, mm-hmm. and I was, and sort of. I mentioned that we'd be trying to like put it on a stage and promoting it as a venue as well for like yep. future things. So he was able to like sort of give us a discounted rate of using the space, which yep. was amazing. Yep. Um, and being super flexible about rehearsing in there and yep. like all of those things, right? But it came from really going, all right, well, what what is he looking for? You know, like as the project manager and his long-term vision, how do we fit in and support his vision? It wasn't about what we were trying to do. It was about how we could support him in achieving what he wants to do. Yeah. Funnily enough, since that show, you now, it, it's pretty much impossible to book in that venue. It's now booked like nearly a year in advance. Yeah. I ran into him um, a couple of months ago and he was like, yeah, it's, it's absolutely stacked. I'm getting emails and phone calls every day for yeah, people wow. trying to use that space. Mm. So like fundamentally, we Incredible. wouldn't be able to, it's probably, you know, now we have a bit of a relationship. So maybe now we've got a bit of negotiation. We could work with him in the future. But like, I think in a lot of ways, we got really lucky with that timing and we helped I, I like to think that in a way we help show what's possible with that space. Yeah. yeah. And it was the first 
theatre show in there. Too. The first production in that space, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, actually, apart from uh, sort of a, a small scale immersive uh, virtual oh, reality right. show, there was a virtual reality show yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's so interesting. I think I was just thinking from a perspective of like as a musician as well, like finding a great venue that will support you and like give the little benefits as well. Just mm. speaking as a musician, like, you know, riders and free, you know, free, like having, oh, sorry, free door spots and, you know, them actually feeding you and then being able to like go back to these spots and you, you start off with one gig. I feel like sometimes one is the hardest. Yeah. And then from then it's just like the bowl will keep rolling, mm-hmm. you know? So. Well, I think that flags an important thing about documentation, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you need to also then think about, well, and this is something we've been good at in some circumstances. We've also been, we've, we've got a lot to improve in how we document mm-hmm. um, because we get a little bit held up in the editing side of things because we move yeah. on to things too quickly and we get caught up with other stuff that we actually don't, release all of our documentation but that's something we're all working on yeah. and we have like a massive backlog of documentation uh, so, <laughs> so much. much but but when you're doing an event mm. um, or a project or anything like that is finding a way to document it get photo get video get reflections get audience feedback and collate that into something that you can then use as evidence when you apply for the next venue right mm. which might be look like a one pager exactly is, yeah. you know but what, yeah. but then it means you can go to a slightly more established or you know, or you it, venue, you know, or yeah. you've got a little bit more leverage in your negotiations to say, hey, this one went great. Here's some feedback from the past venues we work with, and this is what we did, and this is what we achieved. And then they can go, oh, this really fits with our aesthetic and what we're trying to achieve here at this venue. And I can see that you've got social proof mm-hmm. that, that you actually do carry through with what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think like that is a really important thing, yeah. both for your development. But also then for you to actually be able to look back on these experiences. Yeah. And it might see my it might might or may seem like a logistical nightmare when you're in the thick of a process of putting yes. something on to have document like photography and videography, but it's so integral to yeah, the whole It's worth it in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. It makes mm. the next thing possible. It's yeah. also great for the venue. Mm. Yeah. Like I think sometimes, you know, when the suburban social thing, you know, like providing video footage of bands in their space so that they can then try to attract more artists, you know, to do the same sort of thing. Yeah. That's yeah. Great point. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And it's, it's building those relationships and it's going that extra mile, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like promoting these spaces afterwards, keeping that, you know, longer yep. term relationship. And, totally. um, and, and like, and then also doing good work, you know, mm-hmm. like setting those standards for yourself. I think sometimes that's a good pressure to have of like, we need, you know, we need to do well with this because it reflects on the venue. Like they've taken a risk on us, and like, yeah. and I think sometimes that's that's really good. Like, I mean, with Pathos, you know, which was the larger scale thing we did, and the one that I think had the biggest reflection on on us and and oh, what yeah. we were doing. Like, it was like, you know, like we we knew that there was a responsibility for us to pull through and execute. Yeah. Um, Especially with so many other stakeholders. Exactly. Involved, you know, we had in, we had people yeah. that invested in us and given us funding, and we you know we had a large scale venue that hadn't done something like this before and taken a risk on us. You know, we had a restaurant there that was you know like was providing staff and food. Yeah. It was providing us food and a local you know, brewery. You know. Lo- yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. So I think like you know that that is also the other thing is like letting that like letting that pressure like actually lift you up and, and give you that boost and that challenge mm-hmm. um obviously then like, you know, i i think the best way to do it is to go go 
little step by little step. Sure. Yeah. Start small, mm -hmm. get that experience, put in the reps, because each time you're going to mess up. Mm. At every level, you're going to mess okay. up. Something is going to go yeah. wrong. And, and, and it can go really wrong. Pagos was was this close oh. to going, to, to very, going wrong. very very wrong, <laughs> very oh. wrong. to 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 very to, to us leaving brisbane and <laughs> never coming back um, could you imagine all three of us in the run yeah yeah we're swag. just like out of here um but you know we managed to pull something off you know and we managed to take those risks and we learned so much through that process like i think our reflection documents like a couple of pages of like mm. core things and now lessons that are embedded in us when we take on new projects and we saw that, you know, in our most recent events of how we actually applied those things. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a big thing we've always talked about is learning from failure. I think, you know, yeah. I can't remember which episode it is, but there's a whole episode on that. Prototype, can you prototype failure? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Can you so, prototype art? Yeah, that's the one. Hey. I think it was episode I don't four. Know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I think, I think that's a good way, good, good, good place to leave this podcast. Um, is there any other little notes anyone was thinking or bursting out? Wanted to burst, let burst. None. No, no. I, I just I just want to acknowledge how great it was that we started off with niche quiches and we actually ended up to a conversation that I think like was in some way valuable. Yeah, uh, some way educational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, every time we start, I go, this is going to be yeah, 40 yeah, minutes yeah. of just yarning, just utter crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. something happens at the 15 minute mark and it's like, whoa. Oh, yeah, we get ourselves oh, back whoa. into gear. Yeah. But also, you know, I feel like we learned a lot about you today, Zane. Mm. You know, we know that you... If you see a painted rock, you're yeah. gonna move it. Yeah. I want to go on this first date. Can we go yeah. on this yeah. first, on this first date, date and we'll please. we'll update you guys on how yeah. it goes. I, I want to see if the sticky notes. I'm are not. There. I'm yeah. not certain I'm there'll really... be a second date. But anyway, I'm having to try. I'm certain that it'll still be there. So. And we should maybe film a podcast. So that'd be fun. Oh, yeah, that could be cool. Episode twenty. Twenty. Episode twenty. It has to be in a venue. Yeah. 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 We have to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Every ten Committing. episodes, we do a fun episode. Yeah. <laughs> Let us okay. know in the comment section of our posts on Facebook where we should be for our twentieth episode. Yeah, if you've got a venue <laughs> and you want us to come record a podcast there, yeah. we or, would happily do that. Or if you've got yeah a product or a beer or whatever beer if you've got a beer if you're a beer or just a general company product. yeah yeah if you sell cleaning supplies yeah, yeah. we will clean zane down to the bone <laughs> we're looking for horrible. sponsors people sponsors sponsor us crash creative podcast week 12 thank you for listening thank you for this the outro go again it goes like this <laughs>